This morning's reading is taken from Matthew's Gospel, and we're looking at chapter 16. We begin then at Matthew 16 and verse 13, and the heading is Peter's Confession of Christ. When Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, Who do people say the Son of Man is? They replied, Some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, and still others, Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. But what about you? he asked. Who do you say I am? Simon Peter answered, You are the Christ, the Son of of the living God. Jesus replied, Blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for this was not revealed to you by man, but by my Father in heaven. And I tell you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades will not overcome it. I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. Whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. And whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Then he warned his disciples not to tell anyone that he was the Christ. We thank God for his word. Last week we started uh, to look at this uh, little mini-series about moving forward, which is based on the uh, church survey that we did uh, a while ago, where we asked uh, three questions. We we asked, what do we do well? What could we do better? And what don't we do? And uh, over these, over last week and this week and next week, we're going to be thinking about some of the things that came out of uh, this uh, survey. Last week we were, look, we were thinking about one of the things that we said we don't do well was evangelism, about sharing Christ. And last week we were thinking about sharing Christ in a Christless culture. And we were looking at Acts chapter 17 where Paul's in Athens. And we were asking what was Paul's motivation. Remember that he was distressed about all the idols that he saw. We asked what was Paul's method. And we saw that he listened to what people said. And uh, he responded and entered into conversation. And... Uh, The last one should actually say, what was Paul's message? And of course, his message was about uh, the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ, the same message uh, that we preach today. And uh, this week, we think we continue thinking about moving forward uh, with this question, you know, who is Jesus? And uh, of course, we're thinking about the fact that Jesus said, I will build my church. And so uh, let's, uh, let's dive into this. And the first thing that I want to say... And uh, this is interesting, came out in, in the survey, a few people said this. The church needs to be Jesus-centred. The church needs to be Jesus-centred. It's not about me. It's not about you. Uh, it's not about us. Uh, it's about Jesus. The church needs to be Jesus-centred. And uh, when Jesus came to the region of Caesar and Philippi, he asked his disciples, who do people say the Son of Man is? Who do people say Jesus is? And uh, I wonder how we would respond to that question today 
if we were to ask ourselves, who do people, who do the people that we mix with, who do the people that we know, who do they think Jesus is? Just turn to the person next to you and uh, just say, who who do people outside of the church think Jesus is? Who who is Jesus to people? Not to us, but who do you think people think Jesus is? Just just for, very briefly, just uh, between yourselves. Okay, any answers? Who do people say Jesus is today? Anybody? A good man. A good man. Made up. Made up. Fictional character. Yeah, fictional character. Prophet. Prophet. Okay. That's what Jesus was asking. Who do people say? And this, this was the disciples' replied. They replied, some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, and still others, Jeremiah, one of the prophets. Um, interesting collection of, of ideas about who Jesus is. And of course, all these, all these people that suggested, they all have one thing in common, don't they? One obvious thing. Ian's on it. He's, he's spot on. He's, he's with it. It's, we've, you see, we've got the uh, we've got the flip chart out, and, and 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 Ian's engaged because he's always telling me we need to do more with flip charts, and he's on it. He's right. All those lists of people, the one thing they have in common is they were all dead. Now, just hold on to that thought. Remember that, okay? Just hold on to that thought because I'll come back to it later. So just keep that in mind that Ian pointed out that all these people are dead, okay? That. Uh, that they suggested who they thought Jesus was. You know, some say John the Baptist, others think he might have been a prophet Elijah. I heard someone say he was Superman. No, that was obviously not. Uh, that's the message version. <laughs> the church needs to be Jesus-centered. The church needs to be Jesus-centered. And at the heart of the church has to be that question, who do people say that I am? But Jesus, having asked who other people say that, uh, that, that he is, um, he then says, but what about you? But what about you? Who do you say I am? Who do you say I am? I don't know if you've noticed, but we're kind of about halfway through Matthew's Gospel, chapter 16. About halfway through. And it's almost as if Jesus is, is, is saying, look, we, we, let, let's have a bit of a test. Let's see where, we, where, where we're up to. If anybody knows the answer to the question. And you can, I, I don't know about you, I can imagine when Jesus asks this question... I can imagine all the disciples kind of suddenly found great interest in the sandals and I'm thinking, I hope he's not going to pick on me <laughs> just in case I get the, the answer wrong. And there was one disciple you could actually guarantee would always come up with an answer. Whether he was right or wrong, he didn't seem to, he didn't seem to mind. And we love him for that, don't we? Peter would always give an answer, wouldn't he? Who do you say I am? The most important question that we could ask who is Jesus? Who do you say that I am? And Simon Peter answered, You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. And of course, this, this was Peter's high moment. Ian just experienced a little bit of what it must have been like, you know, to, to, to get the question right. It's a lovely feeling, isn't it? When you, when for once, especially if you're somebody like Peter, and many of us can identify with Peter because so often we get it wrong, don't we? So often, you know, we, 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 we come up with the wrong answer or we do the wrong thing or we make a mess of things. And so when we actually get it right, it's a great feeling. Anybody ever felt like that? You know, when you actually get it right, it's a lovely feeling, isn't it? And, and this was Peter's high moment. He got the question right. But of course, it's not just about 
being able to answer the question right, is it? It's not just being able to know. You know, so often we, we, we know, you know, that the answer is Jesus, don't we? We're going to ask a question, but you know the answer is Jesus. And just being able to come out with the right answer isn't what Jesus was really looking for. He actually wanted to know what people thought about him, whether they'd got it or not, whether they'd realised who he actually was. You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. And this is why the church needs to be Jesus-centred. This is why the church needs to be jesus It is the most important question we can ask of ourselves and of other people. Who is Jesus? Who is Jesus? Jesus replied, Blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for this was not revealed to you by man, but by my Father in heaven. It's quite funny this, isn't it? Because, uh, you know, we were with Peter, weren't we? Feeling all good about himself. And, and actually, basically, Jesus is saying, actually, you didn't work out this answer by yourself. <laughs> somebody else. It's like somebody's nudged you. Which sometimes we see in the children's talk, don't we? We see somebody whispering the answer. You, you see, sometimes that happens. Sometimes I'm, I've done that myself because we want people, want to help people to get the right answer. And it's, it's almost as if Jesus is saying, yeah, but you didn't work out all this out by yourself because you're not that clever, are you, Peter? You're not as clever to work it out by yourselves. And I like the way that, uh, uh, you know, Jesus emphasised, this was revealed to you by my Father in heaven. Uh, it's God who reveals himself to us. Uh, we would never work it out on our own. Uh, however clever we think we are, we would never work out by ourselves that Jesus is the Messiah, that he is God. We wouldn't work that one out. I like the way that... Uh, Eugene Peterson puts it in the in the message paraphrase. He says, you didn't get that answer out of books or from teachers. My Father in heaven, God himself, let you in on this secret of who I really am. God reveals himself to us through his son, Jesus Christ. And many of us have experienced that revelation. And we know that it didn't come from ourselves. We know that we didn't get it from someone else, that it was the Holy Spirit actually speaking to us that revealed uh, Jesus to us. And uh, that is an even better feeling of when you get something right. Uh, can you remember back? I can remember the moment I realised who Jesus was. I was 20 years old. I was in my bedroom when, when the penny dropped. And uh, I'd been searching and searching and searching. But I, had never, I would have never found the answer unless God revealed himself to me. And uh, that was my experience, and I'm sure many of you have experienced that. The church needs to be Jesus-centered. We need to center our whole lives, our whole being around Jesus Christ. We were thinking about that last week when we were talking about how easy it is to make idols of all sorts of things, good things, uh, as well as bad things. We can make those things the center of our lives, and Jesus needs to be the center of our lives, and the church needs to be Jesus-centered. So that's the first thing. And then secondly... I want us to think that the church needs to be community orientated. Community orientated. The church needs to be. Jesus says, now tell you that you are Peter and on this rock I will build my church and the gates of Hades will not overcome it. Uh, you are Peter. That's interesting, isn't it? It gives, it gives Simon a new name at this moment. You know, someone's uh, imagined sometimes when, when someone gives you a name, it can be a, a blessing uh, and sometimes maybe it's not a blessing if you've just had a load of name cards done, you know, and uh, and suddenly someone says, but he, he gives him, a, a, and basically what, what's happening here is that Simon finds his identity, who he is, 
in his relationship with Jesus. He's given a new identity. He's not going to be the same person that he was. Our whole identity, when we discover, when Jesus is revealed to us, our whole identity, who we are, is completely transformed. We are a different person. I am not the same person I used to be before I, I knew Jesus. Uh, my, my life is not going in the same direction that it was. It's, yeah, I've been completely uh, turned around by my relationship with Jesus. And I tell you that you are Peter... And on this rock, and I like this, I will build my church. And at this moment, we can all go, gosh, that's a relief, isn't it? You see, because you and I thought it was up to us, didn't we? We thought we were lumbered with the task. We thought it was all on our, on our shoulders. Uh, certainly as a minister, I kind of, I kind of hear, because very often, you know, I'm, many people have told me, uh, I can remember going to one church and I'd only been there uh, a few weeks. And one of the deacons actually said to me, you know, they, I said, you know, well, what are we going to do? Uh, evangelism, how are we going to get people in church? Well, that's why we employed you. That's why we employed you. That's your... Uh, I was in another church and we, I went to the first pastoral meeting. I, I won't say which church it was, but I went to the first pastoral meeting. And this lovely man, a really man of God said, he, he suggested that we didn't need a pastoral group anymore because now we've got a pastor who was going to pastor the flock. What, what did we need a pastoral group for? We didn't need people because now we've got a minister. And, and so often we think it's down to us, don't we? We think it's about us. And, and if we don't do it, who's going to do it? Do you remember uh, last week I, I, I gave you some bad news? Some of you took it worse than others. I was telling you that the church was in decline. Uh, that was news to some of you. Uh, I said that we might not be able to attract the people we want to attract. And that was even worse news to you. But here's, here's, here's some good news for you. Uh, Jesus is going to build a church. Uh, Jesus, it's not going to be us. But Jesus is going to build his church and he will build his church exactly how he wants to build his church. And sometimes we get it and sometimes we get in the way. Sometimes we get it, but sometimes we can get in the way of actually letting Jesus do what he wants to do. He says, I will build my church. So let's, let's rem- if we remember nothing else, let's remember that Jesus is the one who's going to build the church. Yes, we're going to be involved. We'll come on to that. But it's Jesus who's going to do the building. It's his church and he, he will build his church. Uh, a little bit of a Greek lesson. Not often I, I give you a Greek lesson. I, I have enough problem pronouncing English words, let alone, <laughs> let alone Greek words. But isn't it great when somebody actually uh, spells it out for you? Uh, the church... Uh, ecclesia. Shall we say that together? Ecclesia. There you are. A bit of Greek this morning. You can go and impress your friends and family this, this week and say, Ecclesia. And, and, and they'll look at it as if you're mad. And then you can explain it. It's the Greek word for church. Ecclesia. Uh, can be translated as the called out ones. Uh, but it's also, I'm also told, it's a, it's a collective noun. Now, not only do I normally steer away from uh, Greek, I, I normally keep well away from grammar <laughs> and spelling, but I'm told it's a collective noun. And some of you will know what that is, and some of you won't know that what it is. But I, even I can get the gist of it. It's, it's, it's about a group. It's about more than one. The church isn't about an individual. It's about a group of people gathered together. In, when we read that, that word in, in, the, in the Hebrew... Um, it, it talks about a gathering. It talks about a, a community, about the people of God. And that's what the church is. And even the children managed to work that out this morning, didn't they? In the church, in, the, in our kids' theology, great. You know, one of the, one of our children without any prompting thinks that Jesus is God. 
Uh, another one thinks that Jesus is king. We are, we're obviously teaching our children well, aren't we? Because they've, they've picked up these things. Uh, they know who Jesus is, which is great. But Ecclesia, church, it's a group of people. It's a community. Uh, it's not uh, individuals. Sometimes individuals have influence in the church. Sometimes individuals have too much influence in the church. But it is about the community. We are the church together. We're not the church on our own. Uh, sometimes people say to me, you know, Richard, I, I, I'm a Christian, but um, I don't like church. I don't get involved in church. I don't go to church. And I always say to them in the nicest possible way, it's a contradiction in terms. You cannot be a Christian on your own. You cannot be a church on your own. You need the people of God. We are the church together. And that's why membership of the church is so important. Uh, some people don't like, and I know some people don't like uh, membership and some people have issues. And uh, whether you whether you sign up officially or not, uh, members of the church are people that are involved in the church, committed to Jesus and committed to one another. And uh, I will always encourage people into membership of the church. Uh, but members are people that are working for the kingdom of God in the church. We are the church. We are the ecclesia. So the church needs to be community orientated. It's about a group of people gathering together to worship God, to serve God, uh, to help each other, to encourage each other, to build each other up. This is what the church is. And Jesus says, I tell you the truth. I tell you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church. On this rock I will build my church. And of course the church has has quarrelled even about this, discussed and argued about what did he mean? What did he mean about you are the rock? Upon this rock I will build my church. Some people think that the rock is Peter himself. and, And the church is built on a person, on an individual, Peter. Uh, other people have interpreted it as, as Peter's confession of faith, that the rock is, is Peter's confession of faith. And still others have interpreted it as, as uh, the rock being confessing discipleship. And uh, I'll tell you what I think, for what it's worth. I'll tell you what I think. Well, I'll, I'll do better than tell you what I think. I'll tell you what Nigel Wright, he knows a thing or two about theology, a New Testament theologian. A good friend of this church. He, he says this in his book, Free Church, Free State. The rock on which the church is built is the rock of confessing discipleship. The keys of spiritual responsibility, authority and competence are not therefore given to Peter in an exclusive way, but to all who see what he saw and confessed what he confessed. So in other words, uh, you and I are rocks. We're all Peter. And that'd be a bit confusing, wouldn't it? If I'm not going to say, I'm not going to say, so you all call Peter now, because that would be really confusing. Because when I say Peter's going to come and do the reading, you'd you'd be thinking which one. Uh, And we have got more than one Peter, and that's confusing enough. But we are all rocks on which Jesus is going to build the church. Again, Liam Morrison, his uh, uh, book on Matthew says it's not Peter simply as Peter, but Peter who has confessed Jesus as Messiah, who is the church's foundation on whom the church is to be built. We must not separate the man from the words that he has just spoken. Which, remember, were revealed to him, not by himself or anybody else, but by God the Father. So, the church needs to be community-orientated. Paul Beasley Murray, another good Baptist, in his book Radical Believer, says, The first reference we have to the term church, this is the first time the church is mentioned in the New Testament, comes in the context of Peter's confession of faith. It was in response to Peter's declaration, you are Peter, on this rock I will build my church. Personal faith and membership of the new community, the church, go hand in hand. Neither can be separated from one another. 
See, he thinks what I think. This is the Baptist way of being church. Uh, we have to come into membership of the church. We have to be members of the body of Christ. So I tell you, you're Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades will not overcome it. That's quite apt, isn't it? The gates of Hades, as we, as we come up to Halloween, and, and uh, we, we're in this society that almost seems to be uh, obsessed with these, the, these dark things. And uh, I wonder what Jesus meant by that, uh, about... Um, when he says, and the gates of Hades will not overcome it. Well, Hades is, 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 is the place of the dead. Hades is, is about the place of the dead. And, uh, the gates of, uh, the, the gates of Hades are the gates of death. Hades is a place where the dead in, in, were in Jewish thoughts. And, uh, the, the, the thing about, uh, death was that it, it was final, wasn't it? It was, it was the end. Do you remember those people that, that, uh, we said before, uh, you know, when, Jesus asked, who do people say? And they named all those people and we said they were dead. Uh, they were dead and buried. Sometimes Jesus said, they're dead and buried, they've gone. And uh, Jesus says, you know, he goes on to talk about, straight after this, he goes on to talk to his disciples about his, his, his death. He, he says that the Son of Man will have to go and suffer and then rise again. And Peter, having been fantastically right, then gets it fantastically wrong. And Peter says, oh, no, 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 you, you, you're wrong, Jesus. And, of course, Peter's wrong because Jesus is always right. And the thing is about is, is why Jesus says that death is not going to be able to overcome it is because Jesus is going to overcome death. It's like, it's almost like, you know, if, if, if there was a key uh, it was on the inside of the door and Jesus had to go into death uh, to be able to open the door so that others could come in because it was locked from the inside and nobody had been able to overcome death. Uh, when people died, that was it. It was the end. And Jesus said, not even death is going to be, over, be able to overcome what I'm building because I'm going to go through death and I'm going to defeat it once and for all. So, as Jesus says in Revelation, I am the living one. I was dead and behold, I am alive forever and ever. And I hold the keys of death and Hades. I hold the keys. Uh, death no longer has a hold on us. We no longer need to fear death. Uh, death is, is not that final end because we believe in the eternal one who has overcome death. So Jesus says that he's going he's gonna to build this church and not even death is going to be able to stop it. How good is that? We, we, we talked about the church being in decline, but the good news is the church is actually going to succeed because nothing can stop it, nothing can kill it, nothing can prevent it from being, it will go on and on and on because it's Jesus' church and nothing can stop it. Not even death can stop the church of the living God. Church needs to be community orientated. We are the people of God, and uh, we will live forever, and ever, and ever. We will be the church forever and ever. So you know, get to know people, get to like people, because uh, we, we're not just here for this moment. We're here for eternity, and we're going to spend eternity together. So you know, we need to get on, and we need to uh, we need to be able to uh, relate to one another. And then finally, the church needs to be mission focused, Jesus centered. Community orientated and mission focused. The church needs to be mission focused. I will give you the keys to the kingdom of heaven. That's good, isn't it? Jesus, having 
defeated death, says, I'm going to give you the keys. I'm going to give you the keys to the kingdom of heaven. What do keys do? What do keys do? What do keys do? Open doors, unlock. Yeah. Jesus says, I'm going to give you the keys, which means you're going to be able to unlock the doors to heaven. And that's why we need to be mission focused because the church has the keys that can open the door to the kingdom of heaven. Have you ever been locked out? Anyone ever experienced being locked out? Yeah, Barbara has on a number of occasions. Uh, <laughs> we've all we've all in that position. You know, where's my keys? Where's my keys? Where's my phone? No, I won't go there. Uh, but you know, where, I'm always losing keys. And as you get older, do you find you have more keys? I've got keys to my home. I've got keys to the church. I've got keys to my car. I've got I've had keys to my parents' house. You, you gather all these keys, and of course, keys do open doors, don't they? And uh, we need to be mission focused because we can open the door to the kingdom of heaven for other people. They can't get in. Unless somebody opens a door for them. It's awful, isn't it, when you, when you go somewhere and, and you, and you're locked out and you can't get in and you knock on the door and nobody replies and you have to walk away. And, uh, that's some people's experience. The keys to the kingdom, Jesus says, I'm going to give to you. Interesting that later on he talks about the teachers of the law and the Pharisees, you hypocrites, you shut the kingdom of heaven in men's faces. You, Yourselves do not enter. Nobody let those who are trying to. Jesus' criticism of the religious teachers of the day was saying that they were closing the doors of the kingdom of heaven to people rather than opening and unlocking the doors to let people in. They were obsessed with, with who was clean and who was not clean, who, who was good enough to get in and who was not good enough, who, who, was, who was religious and who was sinful. And it's so easy for us to get into that. Can I just tell you, folks, it's not up to us who gets in. That's not our problem. That's not our worry. That's not our concern. We don't get to decide. That's a relief as well, isn't it? Aren't you glad that it's not up to us? Because I can guarantee we'll get it wrong. Uh, you know, some people think there was a, a dress code for heaven. You know, some of you would be telling me. It's funny, even the Hannah seems to have picked up this kind of shirt thing. She's only been there a few weeks. <laughs> a bit worrying, isn't it? Uh, there's no dress code in heaven. Hallelujah. You can have your shirt tucked in or not, and God doesn't mind. God doesn't, God doesn't care. I know some of you do. Rob Bell, interesting character in his controversial bottle of wins. He says, whenever people claim that one group is in, saved, accepted by God, forgiven, enlightened, redeemed, and everybody else isn't, isn't it, why is it that those who make this claim are always part of this group that's in? You notice that? Those people that want to decide who's in and who's out always claim to be part of that group that's in. They always claim that we've got the 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 original, the the the, the real truth and, and nobody else has and and, and and as if as if we and when we do that we put ourselves in the place of God. We put ourselves in the place of God. We're talking about being an idol and, and worshipping. It's so easy to put ourselves in the place of God, deciding who's in and who's out. When Jesus said you've got the keys to the kingdom, he wasn't saying you get to choose, he just says you get to open the door. He just says you get to open the door. And whether people come in or not, that's not our problem. We just, and it's great. And you can't see it, but I can see it. But the door's open. The door, the outside door is open. I don't know who's left it open, but it's open. And I think that's a great sign because it's open so that people can come in. Very often that door is locked. 
And sometimes that door is, I put the key in it, it's immensely hard to open. It's, I don't know what it is, something about lock, it's, it's hard to open. And sometimes that door's locked. And the, the key to the kingdom of, 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 of heaven is being given to us. We just open the door and we invite people in. God will do the rest. It's not up to us. We don't force people in. We don't put people's arms behind the back and, and drag them in, kicking and screaming. We just open the door and unlock and we give the invitation. We invite them to a pumpkin party. We invite them to a showing of the shack. We invite them to a, a youth service. We invite them to things. And we keep opening the door to people and opening the door. And we welcome all. We don't judge people. Uh, we welcome them. And we open the door to the kingdom of heaven and we pray that God will reveal himself to them in Jesus Christ. The church needs to be mission focused. We need to be an open door church because we've got the keys. We can open the kingdom of heaven to other people. It's a a huge privilege. It's also a huge responsibility. So the church needs to be Jesus-centered. Jesus needs to be the center of our whole lives, our whole beings and our whole church. We need to be community-orientated. It's not about individuals. It's about us together being church, and we need to be mission-focused. And did you know, some of you remember, we have a a mission statement here at Lum, and it is to bring people to faith in Jesus. We are Jesus-centered. It is about uh, introducing people to membership and into the church family. It's community-orientated, and it is about equipping people for ministry and mission in the widest community and in the world. This is what we are about, folks. This is what we are about. Uh, we'll never change the world by going to church. We'll only change the world by being the church. So don't just go to church, be the church. And as we go about being the church, let's take that question out into this world. Who is Jesus? Because it's the most important question that we can ask of ourselves, but also ask of our friends and families. And I found a wonderful answer that I'd like to share with you. This is what one person says to this question, who is Jesus? And I'm going to leave you with this.